Good morning. Since last I stood in this pulpit and in the midst of you, Martha and I enjoyed two weeks of vacation on the East Coast. Yes, it was much cooler than the weather we had left behind and certainly much cooler than the weather we returned to. We are grateful for the time apart from daily routines to soak up the freedom and blessings of unscheduled time, leaving time to nap and to dream, to let go and soak up the freedoms and blessings that God most desires to give us, and simply to be away from the full weight of responsibilities of home and family. I would suspect that when you are on vacation or simply away from your responsibilities and the anxieties about the bigger and more complex challenges of life lived in real time, that you too breathe deeply, at least more deeply than you probably do on a regular basis. When I'm away, perhaps not on the first day, but on the day or two into my unscheduled time, I know I breathe more deeply. And in so doing, my whole body relaxes. My shoulders drop. I don't carry them up around my ears. It is sacred time. My lower back loses the stress that I accumulate daily in that part of my body. Indeed, my body relaxes, my mind turns away from frantic worry, and my spirit finds the time and space to dance, to sing, to rejoice, and to simply to be grateful, grateful for the present moment in which I find myself. How wonderful it was to be at the ocean's edge. Martha and I were in Provincetown, Massachusetts. It is the southernmost tip of Cape Cod, and it is one of the most gloriously diverse places in these United States. Every tribe and language and people and nation, as our beautiful Eucharistic prayer says, are represented in that place. We caught the ocean breezes and we watched brightly colored kites take flight. It was wonderful to meander. Don't you love that word? To meander, we don't use it enough. To meander down a street lined with art galleries, pop-up stores, nooks and crannies of side alleyways beckoning us to walk more slowly and to take notice of the beauty that was right before us, right before us in the details of a life for which we are truly grateful. So when we got home, we were well rested. We were full of gratitude for having visited our families and having time to take care of us. And what we did not know, until we did, was first that Martha, and then me, some six days later, would each test positive for COVID. Each of us experienced really much more moderate, not mild, but very moderate symptoms that hit each of us quite differently. 
And since we had tested positive at such different times, the length of the quarantine was even longer than we anticipated. I thought that I had escaped it by day six, and that was not the case. After quarantine and testing negative, of course, Martha could cautiously and responsibly return to work, and yet I could not yet. And as I shared with the staff on Tuesday, I've been grateful, deeply grateful, for a healthy life all these, yes, 70 years on this earth. But this caught me unsuspecting. And the impact of that unsuspected change in my health, a change that happened on the turn of a dime, really affected me in body, mind, and spirit. Mortality is real, and facing into it is also real and comes with a certain deeper awareness. And so just let me say I am feeling so well and so very grateful for your thoughts and prayers, texts, cards, and emails. It meant so very much to be in this community, and it does, to return here a community of love, of compassion, of prayer, and support that always seeks to do so and express it in such tangible and meaningful ways. I listened with such gratitude to the powerful sermon Jennifer preached last week. I remain deeply aware of the challenge of her message not to be overcome or distracted by or even held hostage by the things that do not really matter in our life and in our life of faith in Jesus Christ, but to be rooted, grounded, and anchored in being about the things that truly matter to God. Looking at the witness of Jesus and to the things that mattered in his own life and in his own teaching and the instructions that we're hearing over these past several weeks as Jesus faces into Jerusalem and teaches his dis disciples about what a life of witness and faith is really, truly all about. I know that in following Jesus, Jesus was teaching his disciples that it was never, ever going to be easy to be his disciple. You and I, each and every one of us, can and will, like them, and like those that will follow us, can get caught up in things that do not matter, that we can drown in our own anxieties and fears instead of being grateful in the present moment for the gifts that God has given us and continues to give us. We can get so caught up in being right, right in our thinking, or so we think we're right, right in our politicking, in our opinions of this or that or anything, that we cease to care for the things that matter to God. Compassion, justice, peacemaking, forgiveness, taking time to be grateful. We get so caught up in those kinds of things that we lose the focus on our faith and in our baptismal promises. And in the words of the letter to the Hebrews this morning, we hear these important words. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. My friends, those are words that we need to take to our own hearts. The message here in that particular verse is consistent with what Jennifer preached in her sermon last week. In the effort to run the race, we set for ourselves impossible, unattainable, and at times unworthy goals of a person of faith in Jesus Christ. Position for the sake of status, accumulation of possessions that eventually possess us, running a race that is meant to be a marathon of persevering faith and not a sprint based upon superficial goals weighed down by things that simply do not matter to God. So where is the good news? It seems like at first glance, these readings are deeply difficult and very heavy without hope and without freedom, but it is anything but that. Mining the gospel before us this morning for a message of hope and of challenge based in our faith in Jesus Christ, we may ask ourselves, what are we being offered here in the name of Jesus Christ? At first glance, it seems that we are being delivered a pretty harsh and unrelenting message of dysfunction, disillusionment, and division on every side. And we hear Jesus say, no hope here for the hypocrites, or so it would seem. But you and I have lived and maybe still live in systems that are dysfunctional. Family systems, church systems, political systems, social systems that are dysfunctional and are divided. But the message of the gospel is clear. We are being called to freedom in our faith in Jesus Christ, to living a life worthy of the things that matter to God. So to connect the gospel simply and directly to last week's, in the description of one commentator, he writes this. If what the kingdom of God intends is, in fact, a radical common wealth, wealth, abundance for all, then those who insist on keeping its inheritance within the family will inevitably, inevitably find themselves at odds with family members whose vision of a wider, more inclusive family is infused by the compassionate fire of Jesus' own radical love. To demand peace and prosperity at the expense of those on the margins is to cry, peace, peace, where there is no peace. So where 
is the good news for you and me? Where is the good news for those of us who claim faith in Jesus Christ as a witness to the freedom and the abundant life that Jesus offers us in his witness in the Gospels? There is great good news. And part of that great good news is the truth of the gospel. To live as a disciple of Jesus Christ is to accept the costliness of belief in him. It said it this morning in our readings that even the joy that was set before Jesus is set before us and he endured the cross on our behalf. It is the same for us to expect a life that does not cost us is to refuse to be faithful to the discipleship of Jesus Christ. Our faith will be costly because we pay attention, we listen to, we hear and we respond to those who are most vulnerable on the margins of society and those are many. Those are many we rub elbows with that we see in the faces of people in the grocery stores or on street corners, wherever it is that you and I spend our lives. We may look away, but Jesus did not. We are not called to look away. We are called to respond over and over and over again. And yes, it will be costly. And yes, the good news is the joy and promise of resurrection life given to us by our faith in Jesus Christ. That is powerful good news. That you and I can claim such a faith. That we can exercise that faith in voting booths. In ways in which we serve those in the wider community. Many ways participating in the life of service in this community and beyond. Time and time again, we are called to be witnesses of that same faith of Jesus Christ, to serve those who do not have the blessing of all that we have. My friends, I do believe that there is great good news for us this morning. If we are willing to be changed by the refining fire of Jesus' all-inclusive love, not just to love the easy ones, not just to love the ones that love like us, but to love the difficult ones, the ones that have offered us some pain in our own lives, the ones with whom we still struggle. Jesus did not come and will not come to validate the impoverished and sinful social realities and values we have constructed that corrupt and destroy the people of God. Period. End of story. And those of us who have experienced what it means to step out of a sinful, limited, restrictive, exclusive, judgmental agenda, those of us who have weaponized Holy Scripture in order to, in order to preach against others, find ourselves judged by Jesus alone. That we stand with him we walk with him as he walks to Jerusalem to embrace the cross for our salvation. It costs him his earthly life in order to provide for the promise of resurrection made to each of us in our baptisms. 
promises you and I will receive and be fulfilled. So living with the love of Jesus as fire of love in our flesh and our bones is costly. And it's why we gather around this table week in and week out so that we're nourished. We're nourished by the body and blood, the sacrament of Jesus Christ, so that when we leave here, we can become more like the one we receive and serve as he would have us serve. Living with the love of Jesus in that way can and will cost us relationships if it hasn't already. Those relationships that can no longer bear the weight of lavish, you know, inclusive, radical love. And when we choose to follow Jesus and his way of radical love, we choose to run a marathon to persevere, trusting that we are giving ourselves over to the things that do matter most to God. It's not a sprint. It won't be fast. It isn't meant to be. We are to be perseverers and trust in Jesus every single step of the way. So let us be courageous enough, persevering enough, trusting enough, sufficiently loving enough, humble enough to trust in the words of Jesus. And may this prayer by one of my favorite saints, Catherine of Siena. I took Catherine's name as a Roman Catholic girl for confirmation. A prophet in the world of the institutional church who called the church to task to be the witness of radical love in the face of institutional corruption. And this is her prayer. O fire ever blazing, the soul who comes to know herself in you finds your greatness wherever she turns, even in the tiniest of things, in all people and in all created things. For in all of them she sees your power and wisdom and mercy. Make of me, make of us, that same fire burning in your name for the sake of only your love. May you and I run the race as a marathon, trusting in the fire of love that is in our flesh and our bones, making a radical, inclusive commitment to loving all God's beloveds as we love creation and serve all humanity and all the world. In his name we pray.